You're listening to South Niagara Conversations, a podcast presented by the South Niagara Chambers of Commerce, along with 105.1 The River and 101.1 More FM. Here are your hosts, Dolores Fabiano and Chris Burns. Well, good morning, and thanks to everyone who's joined us on our South Niagara Conversation series. For those of you who are tuning in from afar, we represent the communities of Fort Erie, Niagara Falls, Fort Coburn, Waynefleet, Welland and Pelham. We're located in Southern Ontario, a wonderful place to live, work and play. This morning, Chris Burns, owner of 105.1 The River and 101.1 More FM, joins me as co-host. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Good morning, Dolores. I'm great. Thank you. And uh, happy Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Small Business Enterprise Centre, the City of Niagara Falls. They're great supporters of our chamber and of our local business community. Chris, this morning we're going to talk a little bit about healthcare here in Niagara and the way modern technology is being leveraged to make access easier. I'm, I'm so intrigued uh, with this topic. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. So let's get to it. Chris, who do we have joining us this morning? Thanks, Dolores. This morning, uh, we welcome Sonali Kohli, the Vice President of Diagnostics and Chief Information Officer, and also Dr. Benjamin Tam, Physician, Critical Care Medicine. Welcome both. And first, let's start off with a pretty basic question. Um, Tell us, what is this hospital information system and, and how does it benefit patient care? Thank you, Chris. I'll start off with what it is, and I'll pass it over to Dr. Tam about the benefits of patient care. Um, The hospital information system is really a system that manages healthcare data. So it's basically an electronic medical record. Um, What that means for the patient is that now when a patient, say, comes to the ED, their clinical care team has all the information available in that one system, as opposed to a paper paper chart days when doctors had to wait for the nurses to let go of the paper chart or vice versa. Now everything is available in the system. The uh, the patients don't have to repeat their information around allergies or medication because it's all there. Even if they've come from previous visits, it's all there in the system and they don't need to repeat it. Um, And maybe Dr. Tam can talk about benefiting patient care. Yeah. So uh one thing that I, I think tells this story very well is um, during COVID, you know, we were all very cognizant of who entered the room uh, and who might have been exposed to a patient with COVID. Within an eight-hour period from the patient arriving to the doors of ER to the point they come to me where I'm in an ICU, there could be as many as 20, 30 names on that list. The amount of teamwork and complexity and information that transfer that occurs to take care of a patient is tremendous. Now, we have a current state, um, a a hybrid analog paper chart, uh, digital system, some things are on a computer. And our teams work tremendously hard to transmit information, get information. But in the future, with a digital record, as Sonali was alluding to, where everything is in one place, connected to other digital records in our region, we will have much more efficient data access and be able to do what we need to do, make the diagnosis and deliver care. And and this is going to empower clinicians tremendously uh, to deliver uh, high performance care to uh, all the patients, families in the region. And then from the flip side, from a a patient family perspective, um, I think you take comfort knowing that no matter where you are uh, in Niagara, the whole team knows your story. And, and that's the concept, one patient, one chart. And that's what, something that we want to push for. 
Yeah, it's almost shocking that this wasn't already in place. And and I can tell you, um, so my mom has had some health um, issues the past two years, of course, throughout the pandemic. Um, and so she has a couple of different doctors and different specialists. And every time we go to a specialist, you know, they make recommendations. Um, and, and, you know, we have a great family doctor who's the quarterback, but everything, you know, has to go back to the family doctor um, because the other specialists don't know what's going on with, with, you know, a different piece of her healthcare. And it's really frustrating to me because we'll go to one doctor and they'll recommend a certain drug or a certain, you know, therapy. And then, you, you know, we'll, we'll go to the family doctor and she'll say, Oh no, no, we can't do that drug because that doesn't interact well with, you know, what she's doing for this other issue. And so, you know, in my head, I, I, I thought, you know, it, it, it makes absolutely no sense that there's not a system in place where all of these doctors who, who are managing my mom's health care aren't able to speak or see or, or understand the bigger picture. But that's what we're moving towards, right? Is that what we're talking about? Correct. And if I can add to that, Dolores, it's not that it doesn't exist. It exists, but we are moving towards a more modern health information system now. So that, that data may exist, but it's not interoperable with, say, your family physician. So the hospital may have a system, but it does not talk to the system that the, that the primary care physician may have. Um, in addition to that, a modern hospital information system gives you alerts that this medication is probably not right for you based on your history, or there is an allergy over here. Are you sure you want to order this medication? So there are these alerts that are in the modern system, which is what we're moving towards. And in this modern HIS system, we are going to be looking at interoperability as well. We're going to be connecting to primary care physicians' offices and their systems. So your mom does not have to repeat the information and that information is sent over. Yeah, because it does get really confusing. Um, and I know even when she she gets calls from various doctors, okay, we're going to stop this drug or we're going to do this. She panics because she she's not really understanding. And then I get the call and I have to figure out, okay, now which doctor was it that called you? Because now I need to call them back to figure out what it is that they told you to do, right? Or not do. So um, yeah, it's uh, Chris, I, 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 I don't know how you feel, but I'm, I'm really surprised that, that this hasn't happened sooner. And, and maybe in this virtual world that we now live, um, it, it's become a little clearer how important it is and, and how it can actually be done. Absolutely. And, you know, from a personal point of view, I have for the last three years uh, been helping my father-in-law, who is an elderly gentleman and uh, was living in his own home uh, and until, in fact, the day of his 93rd birthday, where we found him on the floor, which resulted in hospitalization. And, uh, and, and he sadly died uh, this past uh, Good Friday. So uh, I got to experience, to be fair, the Toronto health system um, and navigate some of the very things that you're talking about and certainly having, you know, uh, one chart, one patient in an electronic form, uh, you know, would have made it a lot less stressful. So I guess my question uh, really is, um, does this exist today? And, and, and how do patients in Niagara go about accessing uh, this information? So. My, my condolences, Chris. That's a uh, sorry for your loss. Now, um, back, I, I want to just backtrack a little bit and and, and and kind of speak to the complexity that exists in healthcare today. I think over um, over the years and wherever we go in the future, 
we will continue to innovate in healthcare and we will continue to learn and we will continue to do better. Um, what that speaks to is increasing complexity. Um, a patient 20 years ago might have been okay seeing their family doctor for their issues, but now we have this whole tremendous setup able to deliver high performance care. And now we're connecting all the pieces um, with the tools we have in place. And I, I think that's accelerated by the technology developments that have existed outside of healthcare, right? Now we have the tools to do it. I, I think we all would have liked these things before. And um, certainly uh, something I'm excited to be a part of. Now, speaking to how patients can access healthcare today, there are uh, several different mechanisms that we've leveraged in current state that help patients access their um, data. There is um, something called the N. Niagara Health Navigator app. And I think Sonali can jump in and speak a bit more about this, but this has access for patients, patient facing, you can download it on um, the app store, the, uh, the Android store. And it, it allows patients to um, create uh, a connection to the system via something called the Ontario Trusted Account. This ensures that your patient, your digital patient identity is secure and once you log on to the system, you can um, sign up for appointments, check your lab results, access your data uh, that exists in the hospital, um, check wait, line, wait times, um, uh, check ER waiting times, et cetera. So it's a tremendous system that we have in place already with the tools that we have. It's something that's going to get even better, though, once we have our, our, our modern HIS in place. And I can add to that, uh, Dr. Chan, thanks. So we already have about 60,000 residents in Niagara who've already downloaded the app. Um, the beauty is once you're in, you don't, and you create that Ontario Trusted account, you don't have to keep logging in over and over again to different apps such as Pocket Health or Savians or whatever, where you're trying to manage your appointments or you're looking at your DI data, your diagnostic imaging data. It's all there in one place. Um, so we've had a tremendous uptake and, uh, and people are loving seeing all that information. And coming soon, we will have a patient portal that we will be adding to this app where patients can see their own data, not just their diagnostic imaging data, but all of their data from the different hospitals through that portal in that Navigator app. That's, uh, that's really interesting because I remember uh, years ago, so, you know, we, we've had a, a, a physician shortage here in Niagara, like most of the country for, for years. And, um, you know, as doctors' offices were, were closing, I remember we, we would get a flood of calls at the chamber about uh, patients wanting to get their, their files. Their, and uh, it was a process that you had to go through, and it wasn't easy, and um, I, I don't even know if you had to pay for it. But through this, this new system, does that mean that patients have all of that information at their fingertips? And if they do uh, go to a new family doctor, it's that simple? They, they, they've already got their, their files? Exactly. So it is through the app that we'll be, we'll be launching another, it's within the Navigator app, there'll be a tile for the patient portal. And what the, what the patients will be able to do will see all of their data that's within a hospital information system through that tile and will be able to share that with their family doctor. Wow. And so even if they're going to see a specialist or I, I remember previously, you'd have to get, you know, your, your files, your, your um, uh, scans and all of that and, and physically bring them with you. Uh, so this would save a lot of headache, a lot of <laughs> pain and suffering, I think. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, I talked uh, just a little bit about the uh, shortage of, of um, 
physicians of, of GPs here in Niagara. I think that's still an ongoing uh, issue uh, where a number of our residents don't, don't really have a primary care giver. And so do you anticipate that, that this new way of, of taking care of people will help that problem or that issue? I'll let Dr. Tan answer that. Yeah, I, I can start with that question. I, I think the problem that you addressed doesn't exist just in Niagara, um, yeah. probably province-wide. And um, I, have, I have many close colleagues who are family doctors who work in earnest to try to deliver care. Um, and I, I wish them all the best and I'm amazed by the work that they do. Um, I hope that this problem is something that we can address with the HIS system. I don't know if it's the HIS is gonna be the fix uh, for it uh, or the digital strategies are gonna be the fix for it, but we are certainly facilitators of access, right? One thing that we have here uh, that have, has been uh, started already is, is something called virtual urgent care, realizing the need for access for patients who don't have primary care doctors to uh, seek medical attention for uh, whatever health concerns, urgent health concerns that they have. This um, virtual urgent clinic has been established, uh, I think just last month, um, that allows uh, patients in our community to book same-day access to a virtual care provider, nurse practitioner, physician, who will do an online assessment and uh, address their issues uh, as possible. Um, they'll coordinate tests, they'll send prescriptions, and even direct them um, into Emerge, where we've built a pathway for them that would streamline their experience. This has been, uh, I think, a tremendous lever already to improve access. I think just in the last month, about 40 patients ha have gone through and, and, and didn't need Emerge. They got seen by the system and uh, averted a hospital visit. Um, and I think we had about nine people that needed to come in that had a streamlined entry process to our hospital. So I think this is uh, something that we're already doing today um, to, to try to address this issue. Um, I, I think the, the issue that you raised is going to be a system-wide issue that we're going to address together, but I think we're going to do our best here to facilitate access with digital services. Anything you wanted to add to that, Sonali? Yeah, if I can add, um, I just want to emphasize that the virtual urgent care, it's, it's for anybody, but if we are, I think it's more for people who don't have primary care physicians, but it's also for less acute conditions. If you do have an acute conditions, you should continue to go to the ED. It is for less acute conditions. Um, but the big thing from a patient's perspective, it saves time. So in, in today's day where or before the virtual urgent care was set up, patients who had less acute conditions did not have a primary care physician ended up going to the ED and spending hours there. So taking time off work, um, off of their family lives and spending hours there waiting to be seen. Now they don't have to do that. You can do it from the comfort of your work, from your office, your home, through a laptop, iPhone, iPad, anything. And you can meet at the designated time, book a same day appointment, meet at the designated time. There's a lot of time savings there as well. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. I have so many questions around this. First and foremost, I, I just want to make sure that, you, you know, residents here in, in Niagara know that the service is out there. So, you know, if there's any way that we can help get that word out, let us know, because this, this is um, amazing. Do you have an idea for a small business? Maybe you're trying to grow a business that you've already started. Whatever the case, the Niagara Falls Small Business Enterprise Center is a community service that is here to help. Offering entrepreneurs the tools to start and grow their businesses, the Small Business Enterprise Center is your one stop for free business information 
and advice. Serving Niagara Falls and South Niagara, learn more about how we can help you and your business succeed at niagarafalls.ca slash SBEC. We were very involved at our chambers um, in physician recruitment for a number of years. And so we, we kind of understand um, the issues around that. And, and this is one, one great solution towards that problem. Um, now, what was my question? I had a question. <laughs> <laughs> well, while you think about that, um, let, let me just jump in here, because as I was sitting listening, you know, uh, to the responses, what, what really struck me is how efficient this is going to be uh, at, at a doctor and medical uh, level that they're not, you know, frankly, wasting a lot of time having to read up on paper documents and look for them. And so do you see that this is realistically going to mean that a doctor is going to spend more time in front of the patient and multiple patients in a day being able to be a lot more effective? Oh, totally, Chris. Um, so one thing I, I, I want to say is that um, our, our digital systems is... Um, uh, an, an evolution in care. And we are, uh, as physicians, used to a patient encounter where we can physically sit in front of them, connect with them, touch them if need to, to make a diagnosis. There are conditions that need that interaction. And I, I do not want to discount that vital um, physical uh, touch point that helps make diagnoses and helps provide care. There are also, as uh, 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 is alluding to, urgent, non-life-threatening conditions that does not necessarily need that physical touch point. And in these instances, exactly as you're saying, um, digitizing that interaction saves the patient time, their family and loved ones time, and then the physician and clinician team's time uh, to do what's important, make the diagnosis and then deliver the care. Um, I think as we, you know, speaking as an ICU doctor, the last two years were, were, were incredibly busy. We moved a, a, a host of patients through our system, uh, much more than our usual capacity allows. And we were able to do it uh, with the healthy hum health and human resources we have in place. And the reason we were able to do it is that in our system today, we have a lot of digital tools already that allows information transfer. When a patient comes in through the hospital and I, I get called to see them, I already have access to a lot of data in our system that allows me to think through, make a decision and direct care. What we want to do is exponentially increase that and scale that for our system. So we, as physicians, clinicians across the whole region have this capability and it's gonna be, I think, tremendous for us. Yeah, so, so do you think that, you know, the pandemic um, has kind of, sped this up uh, where, you know, we see the importance of we still have to provide care. We can't necessarily connect um, with everybody. It may not even be safe, but we still have to provide some level of care. Um, do you think that that kind of added to, yeah, we, we need to get this going and we need to get it going now? Absolutely. I think the pandemic has definitely fueled that. It's not that virtual care did not exist before. Right. The concept was there pre-pandemic. But the uptake wasn't there. People were not comfortable with it, whether they were patients or providers. I think the pandemic almost forced people to get comfortable with it. 
And because of that, we were able to accelerate many of our virtual care um, options, such as the virtual urgent care. We also have just recently rolled out remote care monitoring. So we have rolled out remote care monitoring for patients recovering from surgeries, specifically hip, knee, shoulders, and bowels. So what happens is after the surgery, as they're recovering at home, they can be, they'll have an app where they'll be able to put in their oxygen readings through an oximeter, blood pressure readings. And there is a care team who gets that information in real time. And if there's an issue, they'll call you back right away and monitor them. Um, and there's video calls that can be set up. Similarly, we have remote care monitoring for patients recovering from COVID at home who require extra monitoring. So again, through that remote care monitoring app, they can be, they can be looked after as well as well as uh, patients undergoing palliative care at home as well. So there is a number of options and a number of things that have sprung up and uh, the pandemic has fueled it. Yeah, I, I, we, I mentioned it just before we, we um, went live, but uh, years ago, in my head, everything is five years, but it's probably longer than that. Um, your CEO came and made a presentation to our boards and she was talking about the future of healthcare and how it was really going to be more virtual. And imagine, you know, you could be sitting at your home and, you know, in front of your computer and you're talking to a specialist anywhere in the world, you know, providing you with, with, um, you know, care. And we were all sitting there thinking, hmm, I don't know, not how would that work? Like, I don't get it. But, you know, today <laughs> it's so clear how how it can easily be done. And, and Dr. Tan, you're so right. You know, n- nothing beats an in-person visit with your doctor. They can see you. They can, can, can you know, um, um, really have that one-on-one. But that doesn't work in all cases. And uh, with the resources we, we have, we need to be smart. And so this is, this is very exciting. This is very exciting. Um, and it just uh, adds to, to better healthcare for, for everyone. Yeah. yeah the, 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 one, the one thing I, I just wanted to make sure we were aligned on is that we, um, with digital care, can deliver probably healthcare anywhere in our province and, and possibly Canada. But I, I probably can't speak to the world. <laughs> you might not be yeah. able to do this in Hong Kong, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think certainly within our region, we're going to digitize and connect and we're going to get people access. Yeah. But, but you know what, I can see that happening too, you know, where there's a renowned specialist in something, you know, somewhere in, in the States and, and you can, you know, have that interaction. It, it's just a matter of time, I think. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Chris. I interrupted you. No, I, you know, I just really encouraged to hear that that post-operative care can now be monitored remotely. And, you know, what was running through my head was uh, one of my sons is a type one diabetic and he has a he has a pump and it's digitally connected to, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the the healthcare system. And so if it's something gets out of line, um, they can see all that and are able to reach out and and, and, and offer assistance he does a great job of looking after, uh, you know, his his situation, and it doesn't happen very often. But I have to think as, you know, technology gets smarter uh, and, and the world becomes more connected, that this really is going to mean, um, you know, someone like, you know, yourself, Dr. Tam, you know, who has spent years in medical school becoming highly qualified, is actually going to be so much more effective um, because you're going to be able to see so many more people and be much better informed. Um, 
you know, the question I have is, how do you manage all that so you don't get burnt out? I mean, you look remarkably calm and fresh, and and uh, I can't imagine what you've been through over the past couple of years. But, you know, we keep hearing about uh, the challenges that the medical industry are facing. Um, how is this going to help you, um, do you think? Yeah, I think you, you, you hit a, a very hot topic issue, uh, Chris. Um, technology, as much as a le- is a lever, is also a change. And um, the health information system, all the digital changes that we're going through in the hospital, but also region-wide, um, uh, will force us to uh, evolve our practice for the better. I think marrying this clinician practice that has existed for years and years with the new incoming technology is a conversation. And this is a conversation that we started very early at Niagara Health. We have this health information system that we're hoping to go live in, well, not hoping, that will go live in two years time. But we've, we started with the conversations with our clinician teams already, large stakeholder engagement sessions, making sure that we communicate, communicate and communicate, and then communicate again, uh, what our thoughts, intentions, and opportunities are. And th- I-, I think that's the key. We, we-, we have to um, marry these two uh, previously distinct, recently accelerated um, uh, practices together and-, and-, and make sure form fits function and, and vice versa. And-, and I think that's a lot of stakeholder engagement, a lot of change management. That's something I-, I think that once we get to the end of, will be, um, a- again, exciting to be a part of. Yeah, and it's really, really also changing the habits of the patient, right? Like when, when you are in a situation at home, your first reaction is to go to emerge, right? Like that's just what we've always done. And so now, you know, there's, there's a virtual urgent care. We as patients um, have to start uh, pr- processing that and, and changing the way we do things because as much as that's our first reaction is to go to emerge, the last thing we want to do is go to emerge, right? Um, because there's always wait times and, and that's where all the sick people are. So you don't want to be there. So it's, it's really, you know, communicating, making sure that, that uh, as residents, we understand uh, what the options are and making us feel comfortable that, okay, this is not going to be, you know, difficult or, or um, uh, to, to access. I'm going to get a good level of care and, and I'm going to avoid a trip to emerge if it's not, you know, serious enough that I need to go there. It's definitely a shift. It's a change for clinicians and patients. I yeah. think from a patient's perspective, it's changing that mindset that patients have power over their own health care. Mm-hmm. They own their own health care. They can make the right choices for themselves as opposed to just kind of going to the ED because I've always gone to the ED. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of thinking through what do I actually need? What are my needs? And what are my, what are the options available to me? And now with the with their data also available to them through their navigator app, that puts the power a little bit more in their hands, where they have access to their data, they know their options. So they, they are really becoming the owners of their own healthcare journey. Yeah, and that's so true. That's exactly what it is. I mean, we've never, we've never had that control or that power, right? You're always at the mercy of okay, when can I get in to see my doctor or when will I get my files or how long will it be to see a specialist? So it is, um, it, it's, it's really exciting to hear that, that we will be more in control and, and we'll have different options that, that can possibly um, speed up the time 
yeah, exciting stuff. That's great. Now we just have to get the word out, right? So that people understand that these resources are there for them. For sure. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, I think perhaps a lot of people don't know about is that Niagara patients, I believe, were the first in Ontario to be able to access diagnostic scans under the one digital ID. Uh, how did that happen? That's, that's incredible. It is. Um, so Niagara was one of the many hospitals that was trying to figure out how do you allow patients to access their own data securely? Um, so with the help of the province of Ontario, as well as uh, other, other hospitals that partnered with us, South Lake Regional Health Center, St. Joseph's Hamilton Healthcare, North York General Hospital, some of our vendor partners, Identos, SecureKey, which is now part of Interact. Through that collaboration, we were able to kick off a project where we were able to get our patients to create what's called an Ontario Trusted Account. So what happens is you, lo you log into the Navigator app, you create an Ontario Trusted Account, and the way you authenticate yourself is by using one of those six big financial institutions, very similar to the way the CRA does it. So once you've done that, you've authenticated yourself, and then you have access to any data. Pocket Health was one of our first use cases that came through, and we provided that tile within that Navigator app so patients could then log into Pocket Health. And by login, I don't mean like actually login. Once you're authenticated, you can just click on that and you have access to your images. So we were able to do that. And it's just one of the examples where collaboration amongst many different healthcare organizations, the province, brings, uh, brings the ability for patients to have access to their own data and provides a better patient care experience. So, so then would the, would the direction be that, um, you know, we should all get into that system, get authenticated so that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And that process is pretty, pretty easy for, for us to do. Yeah. You can download the navigator app from, from your app, from your app store. Um, so it's pretty easy. Once you've downloaded it, it walks you through how you need to authenticate, log in, it'll walk you through it. Okay. Yeah. And, and probably, uh, not, unlike CRA, you're not waiting for passwords and um, right. that they have to mail you. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to a lengthy that. process. You don't have to do that. I, I recently did it myself. I think it took the whole thing took five minutes or something. Like that. Ah. It's, very, it's very efficient and very user friendly. Okay. And so just as a reminder, if somebody goes to the app store, what, what, what's the name of the app that they're looking for? It's the NH Navigator app. Okay, NH Navigator. Right. We hope that everybody will go there and uh, and download it. That would be that would be fabulous. So, what's been the response to the virtual services to date? Is it being adopted? And are you finding uh, there are any differences in terms of age demographics? I should imagine uh, the older the patient, perhaps the less uh, technology aware they may be. Certainly not in every case. But has that been a challenge? So the number of the virtual options that we talked about today have been fairly recent. So I would say about a month or so we've had the virtual urgent care center, the remote care monitoring. So in, in terms of uptake, it's getting there. It's not to that extent yet, but it's, it's growing slowly. We've had about 50 or so people go through the virtual urgent care center. And similarly, about 50 or so with a hip, with a knee surgery, 50 or so with a um, hip surgery and the bowel surgery portions are just starting. So we've had a few people kind of, kind of take on um, those different virtual care options. As for the Navigator app, we've had about 60,000 residents of Niagara because that's been there for a while now. We've had about 60,000 people in Niagara already downloaded that app and growing. Um, so, so far the feedback has been positive. 
In terms of demographics, that's a great question, Chris. I don't know whether we have the breakdown of the demographics, but I would suspect we don't have a lot of the older population downloading it just yet. And that's back to the change management we have to do with our patients as well as our clinicians. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, it sounds like you need a radio advertising campaign to help uh, get the word out there. <laughs> um, what uh, one other question, if I if I may, um, you know, who knew that diet and exercise uh, led to longer life? And obviously, when you combine that with great medication and great medical care, uh, we're all living longer. But you know, one of the challenges uh, I think is quality of life. And so, you know, interested in both your views on as we all can expect, if we have a reasonable diet, good exercise and great medical care, all going well, we will uh, live, you know, uh, well into our late 80s, perhaps 90s and beyond. Um, what, what are we doing in Niagara uh, to actually help that quality of life as patients get older? Dr. Tammy, you want to start? Yeah, no, I, I think this is a, a, a great question. And I think Sonali could probably speak to some of our um, uh, uh, strategies that are developed corporate-wide for this. Now, um, you know, I, I think no matter what, uh, the biggest asset we have is making sure people can get the, the care they need in the right place at the right time. Time is the greatest asset uh, everyone has. And to be able to provide people their uh, provide people the respect uh, uh, that they should receive for their time, so that they get care efficiently uh, in a high quality manner. I think this is uh, this is one of the biggest levers that we can pull to make sure that people have uh, quality uh, quality of life, um, w w no matter how much life we have remaining. Um, now. Um, the uh, I think Niagara Health uh, overall has identified that this is one of these major pieces that we need to be working on and um, has uh, developed strategies and, and are developing strategies um, from not just care, um, but from um, a whole host of things as well. Um, so now if you wanted to jump in from there. Yeah, it's actually one of the cornerstones of Niagara Health mm -hmm. strategy, the older person care strategy. Um, there is a, there is dedicated effort in trying to make sure recognizing exactly that, that we do have a, a growing older population. Um, there is geriatricians being, uh, being appointed in different parts of the ED as an example, um, and other parts of the strategy that will be getting, that will be getting enacted. In the digital world, we are again working with that team that is working on the older care strategy and trying to figure out how do we employ remote care monitoring tools that are senior friendly um, that allows them to understand how to use technology and are able to be monitored at home so they don't have to keep coming to the hospital for care. Um, you know, how do we do fault risk assessments to make sure that, that, they're, that, they're, uh, that they don't have the risk of falls as much and we're able to prevent that. There's a number of things that we're working on with the team that's working on the older care person strategy and marrying the digital tools with that. Wow, sounds most encouraging. That's, uh, that's tremendous. Um, Dolores, any other final thoughts or questions? Uh, no other questions. Just uh, I, I'm so uh, excited and happy to hear what's what's going on. And I think um, this is the way we need to go. Uh, you know, multiple resources and um, saving people that trip to the uh, ER is fantastic if we can do that. 
And uh, wow, keep up the great work. It sounds it sounds like we're in good shape. It sounds like we're in good shape. Absolutely. So Sonali and, uh, and Dr. Tam, thank you so much for being with us today. That was really uh, interesting. And I'm so looking forward uh, to the future. I think we're in, uh, we're in great hands. And, uh, and I think the people of Niagara uh, can feel confident that as these digital tools are rolled out, they're going to experience better healthcare. So thank you again for being with us today. And thank you so much for sharing uh, some of that information. My pleasure. It was great talking to you today, too. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. Dolores, uh, what's planned for next week, please? Well, uh, next week, we're going to chat with uh, Greg Turner. He's the author of The Campaign. Uh, It's a fictional story about a mayoral race in upstate New York, where one of the candidates is an artificial intelligence entity. So Dave Meslin, author of Tear Down, Rebuilding Democracy from the Ground Up, and Joanne Hurwitz, uh, she's the Assistant Professor in Political Science at Brock University, also join us as we discuss this fascinating premise. Uh, To all of our listeners, send us the topics that you're talking about because we want to talk about them too. Thanks again for tuning in and have yourselves a wonderful day.